pay for what you get, let's get the more expensive one. Here it's kind of like maybe get one of each and hedge your bet because who knows what's gonna happen in terms of trends based on cards. Welcome everybody to Dinging Corners, a baseball podcast powered by Slab Stocks. I'm your host, Nate. We are here today with Aaron. Yes. Founder of Slab Stocks. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, this is the first podcast we've done together since last October or something. It's been too long. It's been so long. It's been too long. Obviously, live streams in there. Well, yeah, a lot of live streams in there. But we today are going to be doing a Dinging Corners mailbag. So you guys sent in questions yesterday on Instagram to be answered today. Via this, maybe we'll make this a uh, monthly uh, segment or so. It'll be part yes. one and part two, so we'll get through, make them two shorter videos, get half the questions in part one, half the questions in part two. Uh, should be a pretty good time. Should be another way for you guys to get your questions answered outside of the live stream segment we do every Friday um, and DMs, which one of us is really bad at answering the other is as well so <laughs> so uh please enjoy this if you have questions in the future we'll be doing this every month i think yeah that seems like a good idea let's do it so let's do it every month uh and um if we don't get them answered today hopefully we'll get them answered in the future of course the baseball season this year is only 60 games long so it's about only two months so if we do it once a month you know you get about two shots <laughs> two <laughs> shots of getting your questions in for this season so uh sit back and enjoy part one of dinging corners mailbag first question is who do you guys see as a better investment wander franco or jason dominguez um, that is a definitely a loaded question because both players have uh, different perks on their side. Obviously, Wander Franco is the number one rated prospect in all of baseball. He plays shortstop, which is a huge boost. He's got power. He's got patience. He's got a great eye at the plate. Uh, hit tool. Uh, plays good defense. He's the real package, the whole, the total deal um, for the Rays. The problem is Jason Dominguez plays on the Yankees and has the most hype of any international prospect to ever sign. Uh, signed for $5 million for the Yankees last year. If we didn't have these new uh, signing bonuses for international players, he would have blown out every single record um, on a deal for a 16-year-old. Um, unfortunately, we don't have those around anymore, so he did not get to get paid what he was probably due. Um, it it all depends. Wander Franco is the more surefire player at this point, production-wise, and... Uh, Every, and position-wise, but Jason Dominguez plays on the Yankees. I don't really think you can go wrong either way. I would still probably go Wander Franco because he's got to be cheaper at this point, even though he's the number one rated prospect. Next question. With a shortened 60-game geographic-centric schedule, how will that affect star players' cards in the baseball card market? All right, so there's there's one main question here. Two questions I'm going to answer, though. 60-game season, how is that going to affect cards? And then... How is the geographic-centric schedule going to affect cards? 60-game uh, season is going to be weird. Obviously, no minor leagues. Um, so if you're into prospecting, uh, it's a bad time to be buying cards because you're not going to be selling them until next year. So that has a major effect on it. And also, you'll have guys that just kind of pop up and all of a sudden are really good for 60 games, and it's amplified. If a dude is really good from game... 60 to 120 not many people are going to care in the middle of the season but if a random guy is really good for only a 60 game season all of a sudden tons of people are going to care so that random joe blow if david fletcher comes out and hits seven home runs in his first 40 games and is has like a 330 on base all of a sudden you're going to see david fletcher cards explode but if he did that in the middle of the season 
nobody would bat an eye. Um, also, that's a poor example because David Fletcher is not going to hit seven home runs in like a full season. But you get the point. Uh, and then on the geographic-centric uh, schedule, uh, that's going to be a big problem for teams that have to play a bunch of good pitching. So if you think about the teams out there, um, you know, the Rays have really good pitching, right? The Yankees have really good pitching. The Blue Jays have better pitching now. And so then you're looking at a team and maybe you're trying to invest in uh, somebody on the Red Sox, uh, Benatendi, Andrew Benatendi. And all of a sudden he has to face all of those pitchers that he would normally face, but then he also has to face AL East pitchers uh, or NL East pitchers, so, you, you know, um, why can't I? Th- Aaron Nola on the Phillies and team guys like that. It becomes much more difficult if you are in a league with really, really good pitching. And it also becomes much more difficult if you are in a league with really, really big ballparks. So uh, West Coast teams traditionally have huge ballparks. You know, the Giants have a huge ballpark. Uh, the Rockies and Diamondbacks also have huge ballparks, but they are elevated. So uh, tons of balls go out of there anyways. But with huge ballparks come uh, less home runs for West Coast teams too. So I think the biggest boost is going to come to NL Central, AL Central teams where there's not as good a pitching and the ballparks are smaller. Got a question here. Who is your favorite prospect looking a year out now with the season not happening this year? All right. So again, Aaron just mentioned it, but I'm going to mention it every time it's brought up. No minor league season. If you're really into Bowman Chrome prospects, now is not the time to buy. So any prospects I bring up that aren't going to play in the majors this year, I would stay away from. Uh, I don't think Wander Franco gets up into the majors. Jason Dominguez doesn't get up into the majors. So I wouldn't buy now. I would wait for hype to die down and buy in the offseason. Because um, there is some hype to these guys just because baseball is starting, right? right. So as for a prospect in the future, you know... Somebody that's close, but not close enough. Uh, maybe like a Jared Kalenic, uh would be a good buy. He just hit two home runs uh, yesterday in Mariners interleague or you know inner inner not interleague inner squad scrimmage. inner squad scrimmage. Um, he hit two home runs, uh, really really nice home runs. If you can find the video on Twitter, I would look that up because uh, it sounds amazing. Ball to bat, absolutely beautiful sound. Um, but maybe a guy like Jared Kalenic would be a good choice. Uh, your Joe Adels and your Luis Roberts are going to get called up. Uh, even a guy like Wander Franco, if the Rays are in a really good position, might get called up. And then you got those other guys that will be filling in. And even Jared Kalenic, if he does get called up and hits really well, uh, should be really exciting. Next question is, what's the most cost-effective way to buy a lot of cards? And specifically, I guess we can focus on baseball, but this does apply to all other, all other sports out there. So if you're looking on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, you're for sure going to find those one-off deals. You know, if you have some good connections or you follow the right accounts, that might get you, you know, 20% lower than eBay. But if you're looking to go and buy quantity that you can actually bank on to make a decent amount of profit while also trying to get the best deal because there is the most competition. So people, there is some sort of a race to the bottom. Obviously, specific cards have a specific value, so people wouldn't really drop them below them that often. But eBay is for sure the place to go to get the most quantity while also trying to maintain the best cost level for your purchases. So if you go there right now, you can definitely buy very well on eBay. But in the future, Slabstock's platform, you will be able to do all that in a consolidated fashion while also tracking your own investments on the Slabstock's platform. 
Next question, Panini, number dot 30, Robert Pawson autograph. Is that a good investment? Uh, there's a general rule of thumb that Aaron and I always follow when investing in basketball cards, baseball cards, football cards, or we did, and what we advise people to do now since we don't invest anymore. And it's that if you don't have a license for that product, we wouldn't buy unless it's for personal collection. If you're a really big fan of Robert Pawson and you don't want to buy Bowman Chrome autos, then you can go to Panini and buy the Court Kings autos or Diamond, Diamond Kings, Kings Diamond Kings autos or uh, anything like that. But because they don't have a license and they can't show the logos on the cards, we stay away from them. They're just not as popular. So I would, if it's personal collection, by all means, you're still getting an auto, right? That's really cool. Uh, you get low-numbered cards. You get your favorite player. Cost-effective, too, if it's for personal extremely, collection. Extremely cost-effective. But if it's for um, long-term investment uh always go bowman chrome for prospects always go tops for baseball always go panini for basketball even though there's not really any other options for basketball right now uh and always go panini for football next question luis urias will he make an impact on the brew crew this year so luis urias um obviously just traded from the padres to the brewers in the zach davies and trent grisham for luis urias and eric lauer deal uh it's a little bit frightening. Luis Urias was a top 15 prospect for a number of years for the Padres, and they got rid of him after one season in the majors, um, not even a full season in the majors, for a Zach Davies, who's a nice pitcher, but is soft contact and no strikeout-oriented guy, so if he doesn't have really good defense behind him, could really struggle. And for Trent Grisham, who before last year uh, looked like a busted first-round prospect, um, we drafted him 15th overall a number of years ago. He looked like a bust. And all of a sudden, he came out of nowhere, and you trade a top 15 prospect for that package. That's really, really a big red flag for me. Uh, but I will say this. Luis Urias, shortstop, pretty good shortstop. Uh, position in need for the Brewers. Orlando Arcia is, is a bust, too, and a former top 10 prospect himself, um, which is a good you know, red, you know, story, in case you're excited about Luis Urias, is that not every prospect... Uh, succeeds, Orlando Arcia being the main one of the main examples, and so Luis Urias, I will bet on him though. Um, he's got a really, 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 really good hit tool and developing power, and guys that move to Miller Park with those types of attributes seem to succeed really, really well. Uh, Miller Park does a lot of things for a lot of guys' careers, and I don't think Luis Urias will be any different as long as he continues to make contact. So I am excited about it. I don't know if I'd go out and buy uh, an acetate out of 10 or a platinum uh, out of 1 or you know anything like that. But if you want to make small investments and get a Topps Chrome Sapphire for $15, $15 20 bucks, um, you want to get you know some Top Series 1 rookies from 2019, 18? 19? 19? 19. 19 Top Series 1. Um, if you want to get, you know... Uh, some Topps Chrome Autos or whatever, Bowman Chrome Autos, you know, by all means, I just wouldn't go overboard on it. Is the 2020 Top Series 1 short print Gavin Lux better to buy than the base rookie Gavin Lux from 2020 Top Series 1? And for a little bit of information before Nate gets into this, I'll also add some opinion on it. The base rookie for Gavin Lux is around 5 to $7. The short print variation is $70. So it is around a 10% of the cost for a base versus a short print. But I think you doing a bunch of different baseball research with Topps rookies will know 
you know, the way around the base rookies versus the variations. Yes. Yeah, so obviously, we always like scarcity, right? Numbered cards over non-numbered cards. Um, short prints, though they're not numbered, obviously over base. That being said, if you can get, if you can buy four base now that. Uh, PSA's prices are more expensive. It's a little bit iffy. But say you buy seven base for seven dollars. Uh, seven dollars. Or okay, sorry. <laughs> say you buy ten base for the seventy dollars, the cost of one short print, and you get ten uh, Gavin Lux cards. And if you hit on you grade them by PSA, uh, twelve dollars a pop. Around that now, but that's if you grade 100 plus by yourself, mostly around 14 to 15. Okay, so we'll say $14 <laughs> a pop. That's $140 plus your $70. You're at 210 right now. Um, $55 for PSA 10. That's what the yeah, right now. So 55 bucks. If you get three of them to grade PSA 10, and you sell the rest ungraded, you make your money. For sure, and then it, I just also looked, and the PSA 10 variation is selling around 250, 260 right now, which to me, as a basketball card enthusiast that looks at the basketball market more than baseball, it's crazy to see a $75 baseball card, $70, $75, PSA 10 is only 250, $260. In basketball, that's $400 for sure. Yep. So there and, might be some some good margin there to be made, even just on buying the PSA 10 of that variation, yep. if you compare it to basketball. And the, the, the thing about buying the short print is, you know, if you buy the short print and you're like, all right, I can buy this many, I can buy this many uh, base, grade them, I'm in it for 210 bucks, or, you know, a little bit more. Uh, I can buy this one short print for 70 and grade it for 15 and I'm in it for 85 you can make 260 you're good but what's the odds that There's your one risk. short print is going to PSA 10 definitely some risk and you know Nate definitely has experience with this they're opening top series two packs in 2019 the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. short print non numbers a lot of the top right corners were dinged on yeah. them if you look at the pop report it's maybe like 40% PSA 10 I, I have six Vladimir Jr. short prints some pulled from hobby boxes, some pulled from jumbo boxes, and some pulled from retail. All of them dinged. Yeah. I have a million Kessin Heroes. All of them dinged. Um, a million. Imagine how rich you'd be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have a million Kessin Heroes. I have like seven. Uh, and so it's it's one of those things that even if you are to buy, and this is a good point, even if you are to buy the 10 Gavin Luxes. The odds you get three that are gradable if you're buying off of eBay, yeah, probably not great. Yeah, yeah. So there's always some risk with buying uh, raw cards or non-graded, as we like to call them, too. So just know that if you're buying base, if you're buying short prints, both are good ways to go. Take what Nate said about grading the base, and then also think about you know how getting that one more scarce card is less volatile compared to the base, and then make a decision from there. But you should be pretty good going with either of those two options. Yeah. And another thing to keep in mind is that if trends change, there is a clear base trend right now where people love base. If people drop out of the hobby and that goes away, you have the security of having a short print in hand compared to base PSA 10s that could drop significantly if nobody cares. Yeah, people don't even have to drop out of the hobby. They just need to move on to the next thing. So yep. much of this stuff over the last three to six months have been new trends, new people. You know, where is it moving? Keep in mind, three to six months from here, nine months, 12 months, more people are going to come in. They'll probably set their own trends 
And then yep. we could see it shift depending on what they like. Yep. There's a lot of questions that are like this in this one, but Soto versus Acuna, who is the better long-term option between the two? All right. So obviously, age-wise, slight edge goes to Soto. He's a year younger. Um, and also, production-wise, he's been producing for the same amount of time as Ronald Acuna, uh, but a year younger. Uh, that's a huge bonus. You look at his historical comps for what he's been doing, 900-plus OPS in his first two years as a 19-year-old and 20-year-old. Uh, that hasn't been done before um, for guys that don't become Hall of Famers, except for like Andrew Jones, I think, um, who's not a Hall of Famer but was insanely, insanely good. Uh, on the other end, you have Ronald Acuna, who is also insanely, insanely good, one year older, plays a more premium position in center field as opposed to left, and also is adds value on the bases compared to Soto. Soto's the better bat. Ronald Acuna's the better all-around player, just slightly older. Uh, and also Acuna might be the first guy. He's going to hit 40-40. He didn't hit 40-40 last year, did he? Or did he? He didn't. He did not. He was like, he missed it. He was like 40-37 or something. Yeah. Uh, but he might be the first guy. His goal is to get 50-50, be the first guy to get 50-50. Uh, there's no chance Soto gets that. Soto might end up being like a 50-10 guy, but not 50-50, um, or 50-40, or 50-30, whichever way uh, Ronald Lacuna goes. And so it's it's kind of preference. Uh, Soto has the better all-around bat, but the worst... Uh, all-around game. Ronald Lacuna has the better all-around game. I don't really think you can go wrong either which way. I think the prices will keep going up on both these guys. They look both look like all-time greats, but if you're looking for somebody to be able to replace Mike Trout as the all-around best player in baseball in a couple of years, Ronald Lacuna would be the guy I'd go after. Next question is Ronald Acuna Jr. tops Chrome PSA 10 or Ronald Acuna Jr. tops Chrome update PSA 10 each year Tops releases these different sets. One is Tops Chrome, which comes during the middle of the summer. The next one is Tops Chrome Update. The releases in retail, Target only, I believe, right? Yep. Target only um, around fall when when Update releases. And for Ron Acuna specifically, his Tops Chrome Update picture is not the same as the Tops Update picture. And a lot of people love that bat up Tops Update uh, US two fifty, I believe the number is. And then the Topps Chrome picture is an airbrushed photo of him in a spring training game. So there's a lot of different things going on here with why people buy specific cards. But for Ronald Acuna, it's one of the most confusing things because there's so many different rookie cards of Ronald Acuna. For the Topps Chrome update versus the Topps Chrome rookie, they are both around the same price, both between 100 and 125. Which one will be the better one to buy to go up in the future? I cannot sit here and make a call on that because, as we discussed earlier, trends switch for whatever reason when new people come into the hobby. Some people might come in, hundreds of people that want to buy the Topps Chrome Ronald Acuna because they're like, that one released first. I want that one. That one will go up in value. But then some other people are like, well, Topps Chrome Update is more rare. It maybe has a better picture. We want that one. And that's just something that neither Nate or I can predict. And if the card's worth the exact same right now, it's pretty much perceived as people are willing to spend the same amount for both. So there is really no edge to one in terms of like, this one's more expensive, more people want that one, so they're paying a higher price. You know, you pay for what you get, let's get the more expensive one. Here it's kind of like, maybe get one of each and hedge your bet, because who knows what's going to happen in terms of trends based on cards.